Um, it is such a joy to be with all of you today, particularly as we look ahead to the wonderful holiday of Thanksgiving. Um, I always love Thanksgiving. I didn't love it when I was a child, but I like it as I've gotten older, maybe because I appreciate uh, turkey much more than I used to. Um, but you know, it's a wonderful time. One of the things that I've always appreciated about Thanksgiving is that opportunity that we have to just set time aside and to consider what and who and how we are grateful. Our society moves so quickly all of the time that to know that for generations now, our church, not our church, our nation has been having this day and um, it's sort of built into our life and yet we're so quick to blow past it. So all that to say, um, I'm looking forward to talking about gratitude today. We are going to be reading a passage from scripture that is probably really familiar if you have been around the church for a while. This passage from scripture comes from Jesus himself. Jesus is speaking with his friends. He is sitting with them. It's when they are around that table and they are um, about to go into the next devastating events where Jesus is betrayed and dies and then eventually is resurrected. Um, so these are familiar words, but I'm going to invite you to listen to them anew and just see how the scripture might be speaking to you in a unique way this morning, maybe not in the way that we often hear it, which is when we are serving communion. So Jesus says this, it says, while they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread and after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup and after giving thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will never again drink of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Friends, I invite you to join me as we pray and reflect on this scripture and invite the Spirit to speak to our hearts. God of light and holiness in all things full, we pray that our hearts will be filled with your joy. Pray that they will be filled with your hope. We pray that these things will happen, and yet we recognize, God, that sometimes life gives us circumstances that we just cannot be grateful for. And so we ask that in this time that you will provide us new light of reflection as we look to your scripture and as we look to our hearts and to the voices of one another in trying to discern what it means to live as people who are grateful and to make gratitude a part of our lives in everyday lives. This we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So my friends, it was an attempted turkey hostage situation. As we were seated around the table, my father poised to carve the beautiful turkey that had just been presented to the room. A newcomer to our Thanksgiving traditions decided to pipe up. Shouldn't we all say something that we're grateful for before we eat? There was silence. Maybe that's a tradition in your household, but it's not a tradition in ours. My father's eyes looked up from the golden bird, carving knife in hand, silently checked in with my mother, who herself was wide-eyed and gave this sort of imperceptible shrug. 
I think that that would work fine as dinner conversation, my dad said, as he quickly lowered his eyes so that he could make that first perfect slice. And then there was sort of this silent exhale that was made by the majority of the room, an expression of relief, myself included, as we all picked up the side dish that was closest to us and passed it on to the right. I don't know if it's a, don't worry, it's not like an impending earthquake, it's our children running upstairs. I saw Chris Malling's eyes think, oh my gosh, do I need to move? No, you're fine. Um, anyway, I don't know if it's a tradition in your family to um, say what you are grateful for before you eat in the meal, but I know that if it's not your tradition that you're not alone. It turns out that three in five Americans would rather do anything other than think about gratitude on Thanksgiving Day. That includes they would prefer to watch football, to read a book, or to play with a pet in that order. Those are the top three. Twelve percent of Americans say that they would rather spend time on their smartphones than to have any kind of meaningful conversation with their family on Thanksgiving Day. And no, that is not just people under the age of 20. That is actually well dispersed across the ages. One of the causes of our gratitude reluctance might be because 71% of Americans report that their feelings of stress that persist throughout the holiday season actually start on Thanksgiving Day. But author and religious sociologist Diana Butler Bass, she is more inclined to believe that We are resistant to reflect on our gratitude on Thanksgiving Day because true gratitude, true gratitude cannot be demanded or coerced. According to Butler Bass, there are two definitions or two expressions that we have of gratitude. First, she says, gratitude is a feeling. It's the kind of feeling that we have when we are on our evening walk and we come across an unusually beautiful sunset or when a friend gives us an unexpected but meaningful gift. She says that first, gratitude is a feeling, and then second, gratitude is often an ethical choice that we make. It's like when we receive a bonus at work and we want to give more to our favorite charity or when we have more food around our table than we know what to do with. So we invite an extra person to join us or more food in our cupboards. And so we go and we give it away. She says that gratitude is first an expression of feeling and that second, it is an ethical choice. Butler Bass talks about, in her book, Grateful, she talks about how both of these experiences of gratitude are important. One is not better than the other. And she says that actually we really need to have both of these expressions of gratitude in our life. We can't always feel grateful. We can't determine our feelings in that way, just as much as we can't always be altruistic. We need to experience both of these expressions of gratitude, which often happen at alternating times sometimes. They're either at the same time or alternate times. I guess that's all the time. That doesn't make a lot of sense. In order to embody that fullest expression of gratitude and to make gratitude a regular fixture in our lives. But Butler Bass also reflects on what she calls the gratitude gap. 
And that's the growing distance between our personal feelings of gratitude and our public displays of gratitude. It's the distance between that response that we have of gratefulness and our public acts of gratefulness. She references the state of our society as her evidence. For example, the popularity of gratitude journals is incredibly high. In fact, never higher than it has been. It's higher in this time of life than it has been any time before now. Gratitude journals, mantras, daily displays of gratitude within our homes or within our families. And yet, in a 2019 health poll, we saw that 42% of people said that over the last year, they were angrier more often than they had been in the past. And 84% of people surveyed say that Americans are angrier now today than they have been even a generation ago. Another poll found that 36% of people felt serious feelings of loneliness every single day, feeling lonely either frequently or up to all of the time. That included 61% of young people between the ages of 18 and 25, and over half of mothers who have young children. That's a lot of people in our society who feel lonely. 43% of young adults reported increases in loneliness since the outbreak in the pandemic, with about half of those adults saying that no one in the past few weeks had taken more than just a few minutes to ask how they were doing in a way that made them feel like that person genuinely cared. You see, my friends, statistics show us that our society is rapidly feeling more isolated, more angry, and more depressed. They are not showing that we are acting out of gratefulness. Butler Bass thinks that this gratitude gap might be due in part to misconceptions about what gratitude actually is. Rather than allowing gratitude to function as a feeling and as an ethical choice, Butler Bass says that we have started to look to gratitude as a secular prosperity gospel. The idea that so long as we display a certain amount of gratitude for everything, then our lives will somehow be blessed with things that are worthy of being grateful for. So if we say everything is grateful, maybe we'll actually get things that are worthy of our gratitude. For instance, if we fear that we, we might fear that if we don't express feelings of gratitude for losing our job, or if we don't express feelings of gratitude for a hard diagnosis that we just got, or if we don't express gratitude for some strain that we have in a central relationship in our lives, then we might be inclined to believe that we will not somehow be blessed with a better job or with steady recovery from that diagnosis or with a new friendship that is life-giving. We can find ourselves tempted to work gratitude as a cycle of duty and demand. We must be grateful. So we fake it till we make it. We say the right thing. We go through the motions, all in the hope that we will actually be blessed with things in our lives that we will be truly grateful for. But that leads us to the questions, my friends. Can we really fake being grateful? 
Research would say no. We know enough now about how gratitude affects our holistic health to know that true gratitude translates into very tangible and practical outcomes. Multiple studies have found that gratitude literally changes our brain's chemistry. Gratitude is strongly and consistently associated with greater happiness. It helps people to experience positive emotions. It helps us to relish good experiences. It improves our physical health. It helps us to deal with adversity in building our resilience. And it assists in building strong relationships with people that we know and love and also with strangers. With all of the positive effects of gratitude, it's easy to see how many have come to think of gratitude as being the magic pill or referring to it as a secular prosperity gospel. But not all things, my friends, not all things are worthy of being grateful for. Cancer is not worthy of our gratitude. Death of a loved one is not worth our gratitude. Loss and shame and hurt They're not worth our gratitude. As much as we want gratitude to be this magic pill that improves our lives, demanding a grateful response from ourselves or from other people when we are faced with a terrible situation often does more harm than it does good. In trying to coerce gratitude out of ourselves only commodifies it, treating it like this Secular prosperity gospel makes it transactional when by its very nature, gratitude is not transactional. It's responsive. It's experiential. That's because gratitude is the result of a gift. When Jesus sat around that table with his friends, he didn't ask them to first take turns about telling them what they were grateful for about his leadership and about the ministry and about what they were learning and about the world that they were soon to experience when he is revealed as the Messiah. When Jesus broke the bread, he didn't distribute it by who was more grateful or less grateful for his ministry, but rather he gave bread first to the one who was intent on betraying him giving it to that person just as kindly as he gave to the one who was going to become the rock of his church. When Jesus poured the cup, the friends that he had around that table, they didn't have any true understanding of what Jesus was really giving them. Not just wine, but his life. Not just companionship while they were here on earth but companionship for eternity. They didn't fully understand what was happening, and he didn't demand that they did. But we know beyond a doubt that the disciples were grateful for that moment, not because they said it, but because their public life showed it as they carried on and expanded the ministry that Jesus had begun so effectively that you and me are sitting here today. So. If there is a gratitude gap between our personal feelings and the public displays of gratitude that we show, how can we close it? 
how can we experience and embody that same kind of gratitude that Jesus and his disciples displayed that day around the table and every day since? Diana Butler Bass, she suggests a simple experiment to see if it helps us change. Often, we will find ourselves asking people what we are grateful for. But that can be a hard question to answer at times because there are moments in our life where we are not grateful for anything. When we talk about what we are grateful for, sometimes it can lead us to the tendency to commodify gratitude. I'm grateful for my new car. I'm grateful for my new boyfriend. I'm grateful for this meal that is before us. It connects gratitude with things. So Diana Butler Bass suggests that if we want to try and change the way that we think about gratitude, maybe we need to start by changing our prepositions. Maybe we don't ask first what we are grateful for, but is there anything that we have been grateful in? Is there anything that we have been grateful through? Is there anyone that we are grateful to or something that we are grateful that just is? Is there a way that we can ask each other that question or choose to respond differently to the question of gratitude that allows us to honor it as a response rather than that cycle of demand and coercion? For example, I am not grateful for this pandemic that happened over the last year and a bit. I'm not at all. There's not one piece of it I'm grateful for. But I am grateful to my husband and my children who helped all help me and the rest of my family to get through it together. I'm not at all grateful for the friends that I have lost to death this year. Not at all. But I am grateful that I had people with me when I was grieving. And I'm grateful for the way they loved me when I needed it most. When we go around our Thanksgiving tables this year, maybe if we have a tradition of asking one another what we are grateful for, we can try and change our prepositions in an effort to express a more holistic understanding of what gratitude is, to help one another feel like we don't have to respond to that question out of coercion, but that we can respond to that question out of the recognition that we have been given gifts, that those gifts can exist even when there's nothing to be grateful for, but there's plenty that we can be grateful through and with and alongside. And so this year, I know I'm going to try it, and I'd urge you to, Do our best to not put our friends and family in that turkey hostage situation, but to instead open ourselves up to that fuller understanding of what it means to be people who are truly grateful. Let us pray. God, we recognize that we do have things in our lives that provoke gratitude within us. We are grateful when you have blessed us with the unexpected gifts of life 
even the breath that we breathe in our lungs, even that new glimpse of that pink sunrise. We pray, God, that we will be able to change the relationship we have with gratitude so that rather than feeling guilted by it or our lack of it, rather than feeling like we have to reach a bar, we can encounter it as an experience and encourage those around us to express their encounters that leave them feeling grateful as well. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.